Hey, it's news from heaven. Have a spiritual awakening by filling out knowledge. By what? What does that even mean? Okay, I'll clarify. It has to do with the oak groves of Marma, right? Ringing any bells? Hey, we got a great show for you today. I'm Curtis Childs and I'll be your host. Thanks so much for joining us. What we're going to do today is free our minds from everything that keeps them trapped. And I say that maybe today isn't going to do it all at once, but this is going to be a piece. Everything we learn is a piece to untangle the mystery. Am I mixing metaphors of the the weather of the mind? Because I know that I'm confused by the weather patterns. You know, you've just got this thought space, right? It seems to just lovingly put everything into your mind that you don't want. And it seems to never stop when you want to sleep or when you want to stop having anxiety. And you just sort of wonder, what is, what's feeding this? What's fueling this? And if you were to picture these, maybe not even as storm clouds, but as pollution, right, as smog, then you know it's the environment, that there are things letting sort of the mental equivalent of pollution out into the atmosphere of the mind, which is then polluting our experience. And what are those things? Why, they're false ideas. They're not, they're the, they're the untrue ideas. All we got to do to get all the happiness and fulfillment and peace and contentment we ever wanted was, is to see life as it really is. Well, this is the promise in Swedenborg's material. And this is the very material we're going into right now to look at how we can get a spiritual awakening by filling out knowledge. This is from Secrets of Heaven 2. Download this for free. And there's a link down there, I'm pretty darn sure. And you can follow along. To expand on the symbolism of the... Oak groves of Marma, Marmra, Mamre. Yeah, got a lot of Oak Groves fans out there, which is in Hebron. So here we have this biblical phrase that seems like, man, okay, Oak Groves, maybe that's cool, but this place doesn't mean anything to me. This place doesn't mean anything to me. It means something, because we're about to unpack the meaning of that, and it's going to apply directly to universal human development and spiritual growth. To expand on symbolism of those things as a still deeper ability to perceive. So these trees, right, symbolize a deeper ability to perceive in us. The more the attributes of the outer self unite with the heavenly qualities of the inner self, the more perception grows and deepens. Okay, what do you got to do to get that? You've got to have the attributes of the outer self, and the heavenly qualities of the inner self. And all they've got to do is get together. The more we're in harmony, our outer and our inner, the more these two are talking, what we end up with is perception. Which, as I said before, what frees us is seeing the truth as it really is. That's what perception is. Perception is... It's complex, but a good summary would be you know the truth when you hear it. You get how things really are when it's presented to you. Union with heavenly qualities yields perception. This is because the heavenly attributes of love for Jehovah. Yeah, what is a heavenly quality? Love for Jehovah. Contain the actual living energy of the inner self. So something like loving what is good and true, which is what Jehovah is, which 
boils it down. If you want to love God, you love the human race, you love kindness and virtue and everything that God stands for and is, that's got this living energy in it of our inner self. So there you go. You can understand what loving goodness and truth is. That's got something, a soul inside of it. It's got something that's going to bless. Is that too religious? This is pretty religious sounding stuff. The outer level. We've got we to bring our outer details to life through this stuff. To put the same thing another way, redundancy alert, the heavenly attributes of love, or in other words, heavenly love itself, contain Jehovah's presence. When you're, in, when you're loving people like that, heavenly love really being loving, doing what's good for its own sake, God is not just in a hallmarky way, but actually in that. His presence is not perceived in the outer self until union is achieved. All perception comes from union. When we're in our struggles, don't we say, where is God in all this? Where's God? Why isn't, if there is a God, why isn't God doing anything? This outer self, which is where all this negativity resides, right? It cannot understand how close God is. God is so close that the little sun rays are touching the clouds. But only when we align only when our outer and inner self aligned can we understand. You know, the yellow can see the yellow and teach the black about it. But only when these things are aligned can we understand that the presence is even there. And that makes sense because it's cool that it's admitting, look, there's a part of you that just doesn't feel that God is around. And you got to admit, there's times and there's parts of you where it just feels like you're talking to a brick wall if you're talking at all. The inner meaning here reveals how matters stood with the Lord. So just so you know, we're going to get an inside scoop on how Jesus Christ, the incarnation of God, this is how Swedenborg always refers to Jesus, went through this exact same process that we're going through to have a spiritual awakening. That there's such a pattern to the universe, to all of reality, that what we do isn't, little replica. You think of a little, like a little reptile that hatches and it's got all the features of its parent right there. We are that little reptile of God's process. His outer self, his human nature, united with his divine nature more and more. Oh, God's got both of these parts too. That's what, well, not, maybe not intrinsically, but being, that's the point, was a point of the Jesus project was, look, we are going to, I am going to go down as God, take on this outer form so that I can, the same thing we're trying to do, or where is it? I knew there was a circle. Yeah, the same thing we're trying to do here, God was doing, but really well and on a huge scale. His outer united was a, more and more, okay, sorry, I stopped in the middle of the sentence. Too many tangents, too early. His outer self, his human nature, united with his divine nature more and more, as the, what? How does that happen? As the religious knowledge he possessed multiplied and reproduced itself. Oh, spiritual concepts, ideas, religious ideas, that, we got to have it, and it's alive, because it can multiply reproduction, one of the hallmarks of life. No individual, so somehow the religious knowledge factors into this. No individual, so far as he or she is human, can be united to Jehovah, that is the Lord, except through 
religious knowledge. Because this no, it is this knowledge that makes a person human. Oh man. What's the only way we can get that uniting? Religious knowledge. I thought it was like, you know, the mountains. So let's expand that a little bit. Religious knowledge sounds really great and also can sound a little bit like it's in the box, right? Like, what are you talking about? You're talking about like articles of faith, theology, angels dancing on the head of the pin. What is this religious knowledge? The life of religion is to do what is good. That's another quote from Swedenborg. Religious knowledge, you could call spiritual principles, you could really call them moral or ethical principles. Religious knowledge, if we want to keep using that term, is anything that teaches us about the spiritual side of life. The spiritual side of life both being, yeah, the existence of things like God and life after death, but also the imperative that we have to love other people. Anything you could not come up with just through physical sensory experience. And Swedenborg says, you know, it seems like you could have genuine love for love's sake. He says that actually just through the physical, we can only come to the point of like, oh, I know I should do something good for this person because it benefits me on some level. That there is this, we have to be brought by our learning higher concepts through whatever revelation we're going to, to this state of connection that we're getting at here. So there's, there's a brief course on religious knowledge. I guess not too much happened with this box. We'll just say, look, it's more expansive than you might think. This religious knowledge, the knowledge, the knowledge of what is good and true. That's what it is. Okay. That's not just connects us, but makes us human. If somebody is not following what's good and true, you say, oh, that's inhuman that they did that. We grow into humanity as we act like a person really should act. This was true for the Lord too, for, for God, because he was born like any other person and was taught the same way as any other person. Yeah, why is Jesus going and learning, even though he's advanced and talking to the scribes and Pharisees, why does he go learn? Why didn't he just sit there and the knowledge is in him already? Why isn't he born with it? Why doesn't he just osmose it? Why does he go and learn places? Because this pattern that's set out for us all to walk is not a meaningless thing. Like This is how it needs to be done even for God. Heavenly values, however, were constantly being infused into the religious concepts he had learned, which acted as receiving vessels. Okay. These concepts then were constantly being made into vessels for receiving heavenly qualities and were themselves made heavenly as well. There we go. That's a missing piece. Okay, because it still seemed like really religious knowledge. So if you think of, yeah, you've got these ideas right? God, these are, these are little buckets I'm drawing here, not use, not the letter U. Yeah, you should love God. Yeah, you should do good things. Yeah, you should be good. And, and you know, God is one and whatever else is, is religious. Is that really it? That's what connects with God? Not because those things are life, but because those things form the containers and they do nothing unless heavenly qualities are infused into them. So that love, they, they are the perfect framework for which true love, selfless, uh, genuine, authentic love can come in. And as they, this light comes in, 
will I finish this set? Quick, speed up your pace, make errors. Then, actually these religious truths, which can be totally cold and hard and dead, no doubt you've come across people who have religious truths in their mind and uh, it just feels like you're talking to a zombie. No offense. They come to life. And I don't mean zombie like you're out of it. I mean like there's no love there. You're just, well, this is, this is the rule and you broke the rule. Or even I'm going to take these religious things and act exactly the same ego way that everyone else acts. I want to win this argument. I want you to do what I say. Dead. That's what death is. But bringing us to life, and we all start out there. Bringing us to life is when we... The kindness gets in, the heavenly qualities get in, and bring even those ideas, even what was first providing the handholds for those qualities that come in, or the footholds for those qualities that come in, that comes to life. That's what we're talking about. This was what happened with Jesus, with God, and so it happens in each one of us. These concepts then, right, right, right. So the Lord made continuous progress toward the heavenly condition of early childhood. As I've said before, the heavenly aspects of love are instilled in us from infancy up to adolescence. Okay, so the childhood innocence, what's that doing? Part of what's happening, part of why childhood is so precious is that we are having love is being poured into us and stored away. Even if outer conditions are not great or horrific, Providence is finding a way to put little ideas of love in there even into early adulthood, depending on the kind of person we are. Okay, it can go longer as well. During that time and later, we are trained in knowledge, both secular and religious. Okay, you're learning too, right? If we are the kind of people who can be reborn, heavenly dimensions, aspects of love and charity, fill out both kinds of knowledge. So not just these religious truths, but the surrounding stuff in the rest of our mind. You know, the, everything else you're learning about how to tie your shoes, how to balance a checkbook. That used to be what you learn. How to do stuff. I don't know. What stuff did you learn? Fill in the blanks. Even that stuff can be filled with, you know, it can be used for evil or for good, but in the proper order, even the stuff you learn about regular life is allowing love, friendliness, charity to attach to it. And I won't fill out the whole set, turning them all yellow, but it brings them to life. Okay, that's cool. You got sort of your inner sanctum here and then your outer court there in your mind. And, you know, if we're going in the right direction, the heavenly values are what is orchestrating all that knowledge bringing us into this spiritual awakening, which is perception, that perception that is seeing everything as it is. In this way, the knowledge is grafted onto the heavenly gifts that we have received from infancy up till adolescence and early adulthood. I love that knowledge is grafted on. Think of a tree branch grafted on. In the process, our out, outward self unites with our inner self. That's what we're looking for. That's that perception, that spiritual awakening. First, the knowledge is grafted onto the heavenly gifts we receive as young adults. Next, onto those we receive through adolescence. And finally, onto those we receive through early childhood. Benjamin Button. The stuff we learn la earliest is like the last stuff to be made heavenly. I don't know why. 
but it's something cool about that. Like you go back to, the, we're talking about inner sanctums, the inner sanctum of childhood, and that there's the most precious stuff is in there waiting to be brought in and brought to life. It just feels like, wow, that's a good plot. Then we become little children of whom the Lord said, to such belongs the kingdom of God. The Lord alone does the grafting, so nothing heavenly exists or can exist in us that does not come from the Lord and belong to the Lord. Right, right, of course. But I love that idea of we're becoming, that's the kind of little children. It's not that you don't have everything, the heavenly gifts you received as a young adult. It's not that you don't have the stuff you received throughout adolescence. It's just that when we're pro- we progress forward in age and then progress backwards in spiritual awakening. That first we awaken to the concepts we had in young adulthood, then we awaken, not even to the concepts, to the heavenly qualities, whatever those are, we may not even realize we had them. Then you awaken to the concepts you had in adolescence, then you awaken to the stuff, the, the most sacred celestial stuff. That's when you, because when you're younger, you're around even higher angels, according to Swedenborg. So you're going to have this deeper connection. When that's the last thing that gets brought to life, and that's when you're in this, not a state like when we're a child, because we don't have those other dimensions in us. We don't know anything. We haven't lived. But when you get back there, you've got the innocence of wisdom, where you have, you're in this sort of childlike loving state, but you're but you are there intentionally, right? You, ha- you know the options. You're there as, in, as a fully formed being. The Lord, however, did this by his own power. In case you want to know, what does Jesus do that, that we can't quite do? Because we're depending on the Lord, but God is doing this from himself. United his outer self to his inner, filled his knowledge with heavenly dimensions, and grafted his knowledge onto his heavenly gift. More so, he did so according to the divine plan. First, he grasped the knowledge onto the heavenly gifts received in adolescence, then the age between childhood and adolescence, and finally onto those he received in his childhood. Good enough for God, good enough for us. By these means, he caused his human nature as well to become innocence itself and love itself, the source of all innocence and all love in the heavens and on the earth. This kind of innocence is true childhood because it is also wisdom. A child's innocence is useless, though, Unless religious knowledge turns it into the innocence of wisdom. So children in the other life are trained in such knowledge. Your innocence is useless. I'm sure nobody says that. But it's, it's a great step. It's a great phase. It's got a purpose. Everything has a purpose. So even in heaven, it's not like, okay, you're, if you die young, you go to heaven. That's what Swedenborg says. But it's not like, okay, you're already here. You have to, be, you have to learn there. Just like Jesus Christ had to learn, just like we have to learn. Because the Lord grafted this knowledge onto his heavenly gifts, he had perception, the spiritual awakening. Such all perception comes from union, as noted. Perception dawned in him when he grafted on the facts he had learned in youth, and this dawn of perception is symbolized. Here we go, full circle of life by the oak grove of Morah. It evolved, as described in the current verse, into a deeper kind when he grew grafted religious knowledge on, and this kind of perception is symbolized by the oak groves of Marmara, which is in Hebron. We're talking about oak groves, and now we're back to our one from the very beginning. So, we can grow in the same way. And just don't throw away the fact that he's talking about groves of trees. This pattern that I said happens both in heaven, here on earth, 
with Jesus. It happens in all of life. I don't know exactly how, but it's enough that you can use one as a living symbol for the other. And so, if it's good enough for everything, it's good enough for us. So if we can take these ideas that we have, the good things that are in you already, and start to join your knowledge to those states of love. Let your knowledge be a pathway to love. How can this fact, toyed, religious or not, put me towards love? And if it can't, maybe it's time to put that thing in storage. Focus on the ones that can lead us to that love. And in that way, you're taking your practical everyday stuff, your outer self stuff, right? Opening it up. Clearing out all the stuff that's not serving. Opening, letting those little things in your mind be containers for the good stuff to come in. And then we are, through filling out that knowledge, by attaching the knowledge we have to love, letting it serve that love, we get this spiritual awakening. And it can be a lifelong process. It can go in fits and spurts. I don't know how's yours going for you, but it's good to know. Continue doing that. And that's what wakes us up because that's the, that's the truth. That's what all this religious knowledge and all this spiritual knowledge and all this regular knowledge is for, is to open us up to that love and to have the love start to drive how we think. And that's the news from heaven. Does it make sense? Is it something you feel like is useful? Let me know in the comments. Please like and subscribe. Hey, would you support us? otle.causevox.com. We have a matching campaign right now, up to $10,000 total. If you guys contribute, it will go double thanks to a very generous donor couple. This kind of programming needs your support to work. And I appreciate you guys supporting by showing up here and everyone who has contributed financially. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope this concept works for you. Again, let me know. Take it out into your week. Do something good. Feel that connection. Get that perception. Talk to you soon.